Welcome to the Lead Team Podcast. Every week, the Lead Team at Tate Springs will review our Sunday services, everything from the message to worship and whatever else comes to our minds. Let's dive in. All right. Well, we're here, here at we the are. podcast. We are here. Yeah. This is how we start out, by the way, every every week. When If you listen to him, it's always, here we are, here we're here. We're here. Why do we, yet, yet. <laughs> we're just mumbling. Yet yeah. the difference is that I'm starting this one instead of Jason, yet yeah. I've still started the exact and same we've way. traded we've traded jason for me this week jason's not here and i wasn't here last week i guess do i get to determine whether that's an upgrade yeah. or not yeah because, so you're <laughs> you know last week last week it was me and jason which probably immediately meant like 90 percent tune out after like the opening three <laughs> y'all sentences. did diverge a lot and then you ultimately followed a rabbit trail and never found the main trail again and that's how it ended but it was good it was well i'm good. glad you listened to it so because that's a perfectly accurate representation of what happened <laughs> yeah in that whole thing yeah I, but to be honest with you no one can see but when 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 i'm doing it with jason i just shake my head constantly yeah but nobody can tell like you don't really hear that you know in the recordings yeah so. well let's go ahead and kind of get started um we uh continued our sermon series on sunday and went in rome and, uh, and so we've really kind of been laying the groundwork for two big theological concepts that really kind of converged uh, on Sunday. And so one of those is the Imago Dei, uh, made in the image of God. You have to say it in the Latin, though, to be really, you know, fancy. Yeah, I've always wondered, why, why does it have to be in Latin? You know, well, I mean, there's a, there is actually an answer for that, you know, because when you go back to the early church. But I think... Um, it, it kind of gives it, it really does also, I think, give it a little bit of a kind of a polished look. When you say something in the Latin, it gives it this, uh, this set apartness, if you will, which is a word I made up, but it's no, it's, it's, it's a theory, right? And, uh, and so Imago Dei is one, original sin is the other, and which is not in the Latin, that's in the English, and uh, origineo sinus. <laughs> there we go. That's what we need to do. <laughs> and um, maybe you should start preaching all your messages in Latin. Hey, that's how they did it before, but that caused a lot of problems because oh, no one understood it. Oh yeah, yeah. there was that whole the whole know, Protestant Reformation, Reformation thing. thing that went on. We probably yeah. probably want to avoid that. And again. so, uh, and then you know, translations, and you know, so let's so we we want to we want to understand uh, what we're up, up uh, what we're learning. So we talked about those two things the last several weeks. Then we they converged in Romans two. And this was kind of how I, um, as I was preparing this summer, you'll notice I went to Romans three and five, and then I went back to Romans two. Um, and, uh, and you know, I'm a big proponent. That was hard for me because I'm a big proponent, not only of God's word being inspired in content, but in context. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I've also realized here as we're pre as I'm preaching through this, um, I just, just you know, kind of thought and decided I want to, this is how I kind of want to walk and shepherd people through this. So these two things converged and, uh, and, and the specificity of the Imago Dei was morality, mm -hmm. it, which is a result of being made in God's image. A hamster doesn't have morality. A goldfish doesn't have morality. A raccoon doesn't have morality. My dog biscuit doesn't have morality, but we do. Uh, and, uh, and then original sin. And so uh, original sin is is uh, the thing that is uh, is in all of us. Psalm fifty one talks about this, and so it doesn't it doesn't rob us of our imago day, um, but it does affect us. And so these two things are at odds with one another, and that was really what the sermon was about: was kind of walking the church through that tension. Yeah, it's it's interesting because even when you preach through a normal, like if you if you're moving straight through chapters, 
you know, you'll skip ahead and you'll, you'll do, you know, something 20 verses in and then come back yeah. because there is some contextualization to go on there. And so it's really no different to jump a couple of chapters because this was all taken in and at a single moment, yeah, uh, a letter. Yeah. It's not something that we, that Paul didn't like say, send it to him and say, Hey, read this part this week and this part next week. Yeah. And we do that right? as Christians, we read a passage or a chap. We, mm-hmm. we've, by the way, we are the ones who gave Romans chapters and yes. verses and the whole Bible. It, there were not chapters and verses. It was just a whole letter. Wait, you mean people don't like when you write your letters, you don't put them in chapters? <laughs> no, I don't. Do oh. you? Wait, no, I haven't actually. I guess it's not very natural. So it? there has been a movement um, for people to buy and, and read called uh, readers. They're yeah. Bible readers. And I have some right here on my, my shelf. We're recording this in my office, but they're yeah, really we'll show beautiful. show you this. Uh, y'all see it? It's really nice. Yeah, see, it's really it's beautiful. Do you see this? Here's it's page one. So nice. We added the pages too, but yeah, but it's, it's actually still on the shelf. I actually, uh, actually like, I actually like that because, and in fact, I don't, and I actually encourage people against using a study Bible for studying the Bible. Uh, because when you have a Bible that has all of the study notes and the footnotes and the reference numbers and the cross references and the chapters and the verses, what happens is you get distracted by how man has really compartmentalized the Bible. Uh, and I promise you, you'll, you're going to get a whole lot more out of it if you just read the word and you read it and you let it wash over you. And then after you've really contemplated it in your quiet time, devotional time, whatever you call it, then you go to the commentaries and then you look at the cross references to supplement what God has has shown you. And so I'm a big fan of uh, of those readers. And I think that's really beautiful on a page too when you open it up. And in fact, I have journal, what are what journal Bibles, you know, which is basically by themselves. So mm-hmm. the in fact, talking about Latin, the word Bible comes from a Latin word, which means library. And so the Bible is a library. And uh, and so we, we think of it all together, and it is. But Romans, like you said, is a letter. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it, it, I encourage, you know, followers of Jesus to, to read the, the what we call the book of Romans in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but, you know, we don't have that kind of time on a 30-minute uh, sermon. Right. So we break it apart. And so we did, uh, we did that and looked at Romans 2 and talked about... Um, the Imago Dei and original sin. So what do you think? What was the uh, kind of what were the things that jumped out at you as someone in the congregation? Well, I think when we when we talk about original sin, like it's 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 a little countercultural. You know, there's a concept in our culture that says, oh, well, babies are innocent. Well, babies are innocent, mm-hmm. but they're not innocent. We are all born with original sin and the realization of that. But I, I think that as you kind of unpack some stuff, I thought a, a really interesting aspect that you brought up was what I would describe as like the chicken and the egg conversation of like morality. Well, the Bible was written. Christianity was formed around what people saw other people doing Mm. and they created morality around it and those kinds of things. While we say, no, this is something God created and we, you know, have exercised it in our life. So it's like, which came first? And we had a student actually come after service and he said, Pastor Jared, listen, he said, I usually tune out, not because of you, but because of me. It's more me than you, you know. <laughs> and he said, uh, but man, I, I I was I was vibing on this Sunday, you know, and and he said the reason why was uh because he had just had this and this is this this is what thrills my heart as a pastor. 
He said, I had this conversation in my physics class in high school this past week. Nice. He said, they were asking, where does morality come from? So he, here he shows up at church and his, and his pastor preaches uh, a, a, a passage that was written 2,000 years ago that tells us the answer to that question. And that is what w- when in Rome is all about. So the things that were happening back then are still happening today. And, um, and so I just thought that was super encouraging to me. And so, yeah, if you listen to the sermon, you know that Romans 2, 14 and 15 tell us that morality is not a social construct, uh, meaning that we didn't create morality in order just so that we can not be killed on our way to the grocery store. Uh, but morality was constructed in society because God is the one who wrote that moral law on our hearts. And we are responding to that, whether we realize it or not. And so uh, the chicken and the egg conversation, what came first? Well, God gave us moral law and we can break it or we can follow it. And atheists like Christopher Hitchens, as we talked about, they they like to say, well, you don't need religion to be moral. And he's and he's right. And he is actually saying what Paul said 2000 years ago, and he didn't even realize it. So there's no disagreement there. The disagreement comes when he tries to say, therefore, we don't need God. That's where he's wrong. Mm -hmm. The reason that uh, we have morality to begin with is because God is the one who gave us the field of morality and the seeds of morality are planted there and uh, and begin to 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 bloom, such as thou not shall not kill and thou shall not steal and and things like that. So. uh, So, yeah. um, Yeah, I think that enters us into like that, that philosophical conversation of you know the, the the moral argument of where did morality come from or does morality exist mm-hmm. and i think we can all look at things that are going on around the world right now we can look at things and say that is wrong it doesn't matter who's doing that or why they're doing that mm-hmm. that is wrong and everyone seems to agree that that is wrong yet um why can everyone agree that that is wrong that yeah. That uh, that like that, pouring pouring scalding hot water on someone's head, everyone would think that's wrong. Yeah, the, uh, there's no way that that's right. Yeah. I mean, even someone who could justify killing someone else for some action they had made or whatever, there there are so many things out there that we would look at and say, well, that's just wrong. Mm-hmm. And you could get a hundred percent agreement from people on that. Yet, um, we we then want to define and weed out what morality is instead of allowing what God has, you know, written mm-hmm. in our hearts to yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we, you know, we, we talked about uh, Romans 2, 14 and 15 and, and the Imago Dei and, and morality. Then we looked at Romans 1 or 2, 1, uh, which talked about how we as Christians, Paul is the letters to Christians, not to non-Christians. That's a big part um, of this. And he says, you know, some of you are judging wrongly. And what mm-hmm. he means by that is that we're taking the blessing that we have in God's revelation to us, and instead of using it as a as a tool that helps a, us to reflect God's image, uh, we tend to sometimes use it uh, in a way that does damage, like a weapon. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, we brought all this together in the end um, with, uh, so if you have a Mago Day on one side and original sin on the other, uh, God's grace is what helps us uh, to, to navigate that tension in a way that's redeeming. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, this coming Sunday is Invite Your One. Mm-hmm. And so we ended it by just uh, appealing to people to pray, prayerfully consider who they're inviting. And I was really proud of our people. Uh, we had laid cards down on the pews, and they, uh, they filled out a name, and we had an altar full of people laying cards down and praying for God 
to bless their invitation this week. And so we have Mike Keybone coming. Uh, he's my friend from Oklahoma. He's a phenomenal uh, preacher and a great man of God. And so I'm excited about uh, what God's going to do this Sunday. Yeah. Anything you want to add? Uh, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm excited because my one told me today they're coming. Oh, great. They are yeah. coming. And, awesome. and I'm just like, yes, they're yes. coming. I'm so excited. So, yeah, I, I do actually, when we talk about um, this judgment concept, it is one of the things that people in church, um, people outside of the church also often say, well, I left because I felt judged. Yeah. And there's an interesting line between being judgy and judging others or someone coming under conviction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do you see that playing out differently um, in people's perception? Because I think people equate being judged with feeling conviction. Yeah. And I don't think those are the same things. Yeah. You know, I mean, we did try to, uh, and I shared yesterday, there is a difference uh, between improper judgment and proper discernment or even proper judgment. And then, of course, on the receiving end, uh, people will say, well, you can't judge me. And that is a big misnomer in the scriptures. When Jesus says in Matthew 7, 1, don't judge so that you're not judged, we put a period there uh, and we we dissect that verse from the context Mm -hmm. of Matthew 7 and the Sermon on the Mount, where in verse 15 of Matthew 7, Jesus says, beware of false teachers. Well, how are you going to know that someone is a false teacher unless you judge them? Wise judgment. So he is talking about wise judgment. And so, yeah, a lot of times when we are, uh, when we are employing the the standard of God in a secular and lost culture, for example, the sermon a couple of weeks ago, homosexuality is a sin. Mm -hmm. Um, If someone, uh, there are people who will hear that and say, you're judging me. And my response would be, no, I'm not judging you. Right. Uh, what I'm doing is sharing what God has said about sexuality. And if you are living in that sin, what God has said is that if you're doing that and not claiming Jesus as Lord, then your life is actually already uh, a revelation of God's judgment because mm-hmm. you are not enjoying the blessing that he's given you. Um, and so it it is a... Uh, it, it, it is a difficult and more difficult thing to do in today's day and age. And I think it's been like that. I mean, homosexuality is not a new issue. No, it's uh, not. It, it's been around for a very long it time. It has. Even in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. you have uh, stories plenty about it. And um, the, the most interesting uh, thing today is that it's just being separated and it's, and it's being justified as the thing that is not a sin but murder is still a sin and stealing is still a sin, all the things that it's listed right. in the word of God. And, uh, and so it is, it is really difficult, I think, as Christians in our culture. And it's been like this, I think, since the inception of the church or even before the church in the Old Testament uh, for us to, uh, to not only live the right ways, but to endorse those things. Uh, and it, and uh, it's getting harder and harder, uh, I think. So, but we have to be yeah. faithful. It's yeah. really that and easy. I, and I think that, simple, that exactly is the part of the conversation about our determining what morality is instead of trusting what God tells us morality is. That yeah. when we determine something is moral that is not, then we come under his judgment, not mm-hmm. the judgment of man. Exactly. And that's what our concern should be. Our concern what does should God never think about be, this? What, do you, what does this other person think about it? But what does God yeah. think about it? What does God it? think? And yeah. so, I, and so uh, to kind of summarize it all, um, and we can uh, uh, use this as a closing, is... Uh, we think God's thoughts after him. 
Mm. And uh, and so that's our job as Christians. When in Rome, we think we think God's thoughts after Him about everything, and especially about morality. And when we do, and we employ that in our life, uh, we become ambassadors of His kingdom in what in the ways we think and and how we act and in what we do. So uh, so thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we will uh, look forward to unpacking uh, Mr. Keybone's sermon next week, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing what the Lord does with Invite Your One. Thanks for listening. At Tate Springs, we want to help you discover your part in God's story. Connect with us at tatesprings.com. We'll see you next time.